So what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Journey here on Wednesday nights. Make sure you're sitting at a table with some other people because we are going to be doing a lot of table talk tonight, a lot of discussion in groups tonight. Uh, welcome if this is your first time on a Wednesday night. It's a little different than what we have on Sunday mornings. Uh, if you do need a Bible, there are Bibles on the back table as well, which you will need. Uh, you maybe can download it on uh, your phone as well, the Journey app, or even a, a different Bible app. Uh, we're going through the Gospel of John. You guys good? You guys all right? A little mellowed out right now? Wonderful. Well, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I get a, a knock at the door. And I open it up, and there's two ladies standing there, two middle-aged ladies. One, she's, uh, she's dressed in a very stylish-looking black hat and a flowery scarf and half-moon glasses. And her, her comrade beside her, she's even, even better dressed. She's got this fancy jacket, a, a gold necklace. And she's got impeccably creased gray pants. They come to the door and they're cheery, smiley. They, they make sure to make eye contact with me. And I can see that the middle-aged woman on my right, she's got all of these pamphlets in her arms. Every paper is perfectly stacked. And then the, the one next to her, the, the lady with the stylish black hat and the, the, the flowery scarf and the half-moon glasses, she's cradling in her arms a, an iPad like, like it's some sort of a baby. And I can see in the distinct white glow uh, black bold letters, Psalm 100. And it's at this moment that I realize I know exactly who these middle-aged ladies are, and I know exactly what they want. Well, I, I came to the door, and I was bedraggled hair. I was, uh, I, I mean, I was still wearing my pajamas. It was 11 o'clock, and you might do the same if you were up at 2, 2.30, 3, 3.34, 4.30, and 5 with a newborn. We might as well just call it a, an all-nighter with a newborn. I come to the door and I speak in a really unusual, callous tone. Maybe it had to do something with the all-nighter, or it maybe had to do with something, I know who these middle-aged ladies are, and I know what they want. Well, I come to the door, speak in this callous tone, because I know who these ladies are, and I know what they want, and we've got history not with these two specific middle-aged ladies, but with their sisters of their faith. We've got history. Well, speaking of history, our passage in view tonight in the Gospel of John has a lot, a lot of history 
behind it. I mean, we got to trace it back to weeks and weeks and weeks. About three or four weeks ago where we first started this passage, a sick man at the pool of Bethsaida. And there's this man, he's been sitting by the pool for 38 years. He's sick and there's this there's this uh, urban legend, apparently, that goes along with this particular pool at Bethsaida that, that it's magical in some way. When the water gets stirred up, the first one to cannonball in the pool, apparently, gets healed. Well, this man, he can't make it to the pool, and so for 38 years, he's been lying here. Jesus comes along one day and asks him a really strange question, a really funny question to a man who's been sitting here for 38 years wanting to get well. Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? And the man then goes and talks about how, well, when the magical pool trick happens, I've got all these reasons why I can't get to the pool. Someone else gets there in front of me. But Jesus just simply says, well, why don't you just stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Amen. And he does. And now all of this healing happens to happen on a Sabbath, on the day of rest, which is a big no-no. A big no-no for the Jewish religious leaders. So let's pick it up tonight. If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand. We'll read from John chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. We stand here to revere the Word of God. It says, So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. Tonight we see Jesus drop some theological truths that uh, he, as the Jewish leaders indicated, he uh, not only did break the Sabbath. Not only did call his God his Father, but he made himself equal with God. Let's explore this tonight. But God, we come before you first, and we want to honor you by the way that we study your word. Lord, we don't live perfect lives. We know our lives are full of hardship, but full of joy and beauty. I pray tonight that you would speak to us about the nature of Jesus and that we would be changed as we leave this place with great purpose and joy in our hearts. We love you, God. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to begin tonight with some table talk, some discussion at your table. So get to know the people around you. Uh, I want to just throw this question at you, a very simple, very basic question. Who is Jesus? And then secondly, how would you describe Jesus to someone? Say someone on your doorstep or in my case, maybe like a brand new baby. Like how would you describe who Jesus is to Maybe a kid who has never heard about Jesus for the first time or some stranger who's never heard about Jesus. Who is Jesus? How would you describe who Jesus is? Ready, go. All right, so in our passage tonight, here we've got the Jewish religious leaders. They're pestering Jesus like flies with like three different 
things. You broke the Sabbath. You called God your father. You're making yourself equal with God. And in verse 19, Jesus begins to respond. It says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. And that makes sense because the gospel writer put it plainly at the very beginning of the gospel. John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, the word already existed. That's talking about Jesus. The word that is Jesus was with God and the word that is Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Verse 19b continues, he does only what he sees the Father doing. And that makes sense because Jesus is God. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And that makes sense because Jesus is God. Verse 20 says, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. Now, isn't it funny and kind of strange and a little bit unique that Jesus is talking about himself in the third person? He calls himself the, the Son. So, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. Even greater works are to come. Greater works, astonishing, jaw-dropping, mind-boggling works like rising from the dead, like defeating death once and for all, like uh, destroying the stranglehold of sin and the dominion of darkness. Those are pretty great works, right? Verse 21 through 23 says, For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. So Tupac got it wrong, right? I mean, after all, he did say, only God can judge me. Technically speaking, the gospel writer says the Father judges no one. It says, instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And if Jesus has judgment power, I better make sure I honor the Son. And thank God Jesus has judgment power because he's the one who died for my sins. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. Let's do some more table talk tonight. Let's get practical. How can we apply this to our lives? What can you do to honor God with your life daily? And then how can you make a conscious effort to honor God with your life Daily. Ready, go. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, one-on-one -on -one relationship time with God. I mean, one of the things you can do, it's, it may seem kind of foreign or strange, but it's like a coffee, coffee date. You know, you go on coffee dates, especially Paul with his new wife and everything like that, but you go on a coffee date with God. And that sounds like kind of weird, Right? But you just go and you, I saw someone doing it today. He had his Bible out. He had a, a different book. He was like journaling and stuff like that. He's just spending time with God. I mean, that's, that's an awesome way that we can honor God with our life daily. And when we don't have that, when we don't have that going on, I think things in my life at least get pretty, pretty far off. Well, we used to live 
way out in Somos. Uh, if you know where Somos is, congratulations. It's on like the side of Camarillo and Satakoy and Oxnard and stuff. But we used to live way out in Somos, off the beaten path, up a high hill. And the Jehovah's Witnesses, they managed to find us. They managed to find us. And uh, man, my, my wife is so awesome. Tara is so sweet and such a Christ-like faithful woman that she told them, like, yeah, come back anytime you want. Uh, we'd love to have you come talk with us. We bring your material, all the stuff. And of course, always that time when they managed to come back and spend that time, she was gone. And I was there all alone. Like, the dog was gone, too. It was just me. So, like, half the time I'm hiding in the pantry as they're knocking on the door. The other half of the time I actually faced my fears and went out and, like, talked with them. And they would just drone on and on and on and, and on. And I'd listen, you know, respectfully. And, and then when I told them I was a pastor, like, their eyes just grew wide. And they, like, had this new drive to, like, convert me. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Jehovah's Witness and their theology, but I know one thing is a glaring difference between our faith and uh, Christian faith and Jehovah's Witness is it has to do with the person of Jesus, and so I asked them, like, who is Jesus? Like, to you and your perspective and your theology and your framework of, of religion and understanding, who is Jesus? They said, well, he's a son of God. I said, a son of God or like the son of God? Is Jesus the son of God, co-equal, co-eternal with God? Is Jesus divine? Is Jesus God? And it was like a dark cloud just like swept over their face. And like a whisper of a voice, as, as soft as a breath, she said, well, no. And I said, there, my friends, is the glaring difference, the fundamental difference. If Jesus Christ not be God, well then, let's follow along here. His story is just another story. Even as remarkable as it may be, his death is just another death. Even as remarkable as it may be, his resurrection is just a resurrection as remarkable as it may be. But if Jesus is God, as he himself indicates in John chapter 10, verse 30, the Father and I are one, and here he spells it out in our entire chapter in John chapter 5, then that changes everything. If Jesus Christ be God, it changes everything. As God incarnate, as, as God in the flesh, Jesus was the final perfect sacrifice. Because he was the only one fit for the work of being a redeemer. He was sinless, preexistent, born of a virgin, God incarnate. No one else could meet these requirements to become the perfect sacrifice for our sins and for the sins of the world. Well, if Jesus was just a good man, not the sinless, pre-existent, born of a virgin, God incarnate, God-man, then his death and resurrection would have no power to save anyone. But if Jesus Christ be God, well, then, verse 24 continues, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Now, there's a major difference between hearing and listening, right? A major difference between hearing and listening. Listening is a lot more than just an audio experience. Listening is not just what you do with your 
ears. But listening and believing, I think that involves like an active, take it to heart, change my life pursuit of God and his goodness. But when was the last time you stopped to listen? You know, sometimes there's so much noise, it's impossible to listen. We uh, brought home baby Zeke about a couple of weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago or so. And uh, at night, it's, I mean, he was in the NICU for like nine weeks. And so he's used to all these bells and whistles and noise going off all the time. And so we kind of have to keep it loud in the bedroom at night. And so we've got like this air purifier going on. Tara's got like her phone with like rain sound going on too. And we're speaking like loud voices. But then like in the middle of the night when he keeps waking up, he sleeps pretty good stretches, but, but he'll wake up because he's hungry, right? He's a growing boy. He, uh, Tara, like, whispers to me. And she, like, talks in such a soft voice. You can't even hear it. I'm like, what? What are you saying? And she's like, I'm talking talk in a soft voice. Sometimes there's so much noise going on that we can't listen. We can't hear. And then we look ridiculous because we're like yelling, like, what? I can't hear you. And then the baby just gets woken up even more. (laughs) But when was the last time you stopped to listen? Turn off the noise, slow down. When was the last time you stopped to listen to Jesus' message and really take it to heart? When was the last time you stopped to take time to reassess who God is and who, who I am? Let's just take a moment, just be silent. Maybe just connect with God. I don't know, pray to God. God, what's your message for me today? Let's just be silent. So that was like a minute. One minute. Sometimes being silent brings a lot of clarity to the midst of the noise and chaos. I did something uh, pretty radical and pretty, uh, pretty life-changing like this week. I moved the uh, apps on my phone, Instagram and Facebook, into a different file. And I haven't opened them since like Sunday. Seriously surrendering, right? <laughs> you don't have to clap. I'm just joking around. I'm just joking around. <laughs> thank you, Rachel. She's my clap, clap girl. Thank you. But I, I've been... Uh, just astonished at how much extra time I have. And it's not like I'm like on it all the time, but it's like, wow, how much more time do I have and how much more clarity I have in my life? Because I'm not messing around like trying to figure out, you know, how does, how does that person look so good? Or how do they get the money to go on that trip or this or that? Whatever it may be. But just getting that clarity, we have to find that. We have to find that ability to, to find that space and that quiet place where we can spend time with God, where we can learn to listen and believe. For those who listen and believe, Jesus continues, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Verse 25 says, and I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Jesus isn't just looking at the the resurrection in the future on the last day, but at the awakening of those who are spiritually dead, 
spiritually dead even now. Jesus, the Son of God, co-equal and co-eternal. That just means he, he shares equality and eternalness with God and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who is divine, Jesus, who is God, grants eternal life. He raises the dead, carries out judgment now and at the last day. He makes it really clear for all those religious folks who were saying, pestering Jesus like flies, you broke the Sabbath. You called God your father. You're making yourself equal with God. In verse 26, Jesus says the father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to his son. That'd be me, Jesus. And he has given him, that would be me, Jesus, authority to judge everyone because he is the son of God, son of man. That'd be me, Jesus. And you know that whole Sabbath thing? Yeah, I created that. And it's for doing good through me and by me. So don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son. That'd be me, Jesus. And they will rise again. Those who have done good, and by done good, we're talking about listening and believing. The active, take it to heart, change my life pursuit of God and his goodness. They will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. I love that last line. I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Will. Is that our active take it to heart, live it out, pursuit of God and his goodness, to carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will? Let's do some more talk tonight. How can we carry out the will of the one who sent us instead of our own wills? Ready, go. I think... Uh, if I were to answer this question, how can we carry out the will of the one who sent us instead of our own wills? I think it starts with obviously surrender and dying to yourself and allowing God's will to take precedent in your life as, as the number one priority in your life. But then secondly, I think in order to fulfill God's will, we actually have to know what God's will is. And I think for that, we have to turn to Scripture because God speaks to us very loudly and has spoken to us forever through, through his scripture. I remember, I mean, you may think like, well, where do I start? You know, Gospel of John's a great place to start. Do I start in Genesis or Leviticus or wherever? Where do I start? Um, some of your Bibles are pretty neat. I was talking to someone here a couple of weeks ago who was, she was struggling, going through a hard time. And I was just trying to, to point her in the direction of, you know, different scriptures. But some Bibles are really awesome. I remember the first Bible that, that I received, one of the, the real ones. You know, I got like the kid's Bible for toddlers and stuff. Had all these pictures of animals and stuff. Very few words. The picture of Jesus on the cross was like all shadowed, so you couldn't really see anything like that. Which is probably good for kids and stuff, not to see that gore and violence at that age. But uh, at the time I got my real Bible, we went to the Christian Family Supplies store, and I remember my mom, she was like, you want to get your name printed on this? I'm like, all right, cool. So I, I get this, like, blue sort of leather, plasticky bound NIV Bible from, like, it was from 1986. It wasn't 1986. I was born 
after 1986. But... Uh, this Bible was awesome. It had pictures of a very Swedish-looking Jesus and animals and all sorts of stuff. But it was a real Bible. But my favorite part about this Bible was that it had, like, this spot at the end. And it said, like, for stress or for sadness or for joy, or for peace. And it had all these verses that kind of connected to that. Now, I don't think they were being pulled out of context. I think that's what actually was, was speaking to me. And so, like, at first, when I was going through a hard time, oh, for temptation or whatever, uh, I would read that verse. And then later on, I would actually go to that verse and read it within the whole context. And then the Bible just started to come alive to me. It started to, to change my life. And, and I'm trying more and more now to carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. And, and the most amazing part, I think, about carrying out the will of the one who sent us and not our own wills is that when we realize that we're following God's will, it's a lot more satisfying and it's a lot more fulfilling, and actually, this is really strange, but, but pursuing God's will for your life and putting his will above your own, it actually feels more truly and authentically yours than your own selfish will in the first place. So tonight, we've tried to make sense of Jesus, Son of God, co-equal, co-eternal with God, divine, because he is God, and perhaps our heads hurt. They're spinning. It's like, who is Jesus? He is God, but he's the Son. And it only makes sense that our heads might hurt because we're trying to make sense of the most amazing phenomenon slash being ever. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't understand the Bible, or I don't understand God. Well, good, because he's God, right? Like the most phenomenon, phenomenal being ever. But it's awfully amazing that the most amazing phenomenon or being ever wants to be involved with you and me. I mean, tonight, go look up at the stars Amen. to figure out who you are and who God is. Who put those there? You or, or me or, or God? That just simply puts things in perspective for me. But I can only respond as the great missionary C.T. Studd put it, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. So our takeaway tonight, if Jesus Christ be God and died for you, then what daily sacrifice are you willing to make for him? How will you honor him? How will you live your life to bring glory to his name? But don't think for a second that you or I could muster up the strength or the ability or the goodwill to, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to do it and I'm going to go. And it doesn't work that way. We have to first surrender. Remember, it's his will that we're following, not our own. We have to say, Holy Spirit, guide me because I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I can do it maybe for 24 hours. Or I can run that first leg of this marathon, but... I can't have the sustainability or the fuel to keep going without you. So it's not a matter of me trying to work really hard to be perfect and mind my P's and Q's and dot my I's and cross my T's. No, it's a matter of saying, Jesus, I want to honor you. So help me. Help me to live for you. Give me the strength, the peace, the comfort to just say yes to you, God.
to carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Would you pray with me? God, I know that it's the desire of our hearts to follow you. (laughs) And maybe we don't know that yet. Maybe that surrendering thing doesn't come too easy for us. Maybe it feels unnatural. But I pray, God, that you would awaken us to live for your will in our lives. Because you are amazing, God. And if you died for us, no sacrifice that we could ever make is too great. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to know you, God. We want to know you, Holy Spirit. Show us the areas in our own individual lives where we can make time and space for you, where we can quiet the noise and give us the strength and the determination to do so, to follow you, to have a resolve that is strong. For you are worthy, and we love you with all our hearts. Amen.